Welcome to Geared for Growth. This week we're chatting with Peter Mastriani, who is a property finance expert. He's also an author and the host of his very own property investing podcast, the Rent Vesting Podcast, which you can find at rentvesting.com.au. We have a chat to him about rent vesting as a strategy, the whole wealth creation journey and his journey so far, and also everything around property investment finance. Here's Peter. Peter Mastriani, thanks for joining us on Geared for Growth. Mike, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure and I've uh, been a, a fan of your podcast uh, for a while, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, of course. But um, for the listeners that, that maybe haven't uh, have heard of you, uh, Peter, can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Uh, so my name is Peter Mastriani. Uh, I run a mortgage broking business by the name of Loans Only, where we specialise in working with both retail and, and sophisticated investors to, to support their, their property investment borrowing needs. So I guess we work with a pretty wide range of you know everyday individuals and help them grow the, the largest asset base that they can with, uh, with the money that they can afford. Awesome, and we um, really want to get into the, the nuts and bolts there. And there's, um, there's a bit more to, to what you do as well, right? Uh, a little bit more, um, but you know the the mortgage business is is what um, what is what keeps me busy. So, uh, in the background, I, I have been active in in property investment myself for since my early twenties, and um, I use some some practical experience to publish a, a couple of books. So, my last book that I put out into the marketplace probably was released this time last year, called the the Property Investors Buyers Guide, and and that sold reasonably well, but um, uh, uh, the, there's the, the the wannabe author side in me, Mike. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think but, you were uh, book of the month in Money Magazine. Is that right? Uh, that's right. That takes um, the wannabe so. out of it, from my perspective, Peter. <laughs> I think you're uh, selling yourself a bit short. Um, you don't make any money out of writing, though. Well, I don't anyway. So I need to, uh, I need to get a better publishing deal for the the next one at some point in time in the future. But um, no, so that was that was that was quite good and uh, is a was a useful tool for me. And uh, uh, I also champion the reinvesting cause one through the the podcast, the reinvesting podcast, and and also through the website reinvesting.com.au. Yeah, awesome, and we're going to dive into that for sure, Peter. To get a bit of an insight into the into the real Peter, as it were, um, what posters were were given prime uh, real estate on your bedroom wall as a youngster? Oh God, um, my mum was pretty anal, actually, Mike. So I wasn't <laughs> no really blue allowed tech? to have to. <laughs> no, no, no blue tack. Uh, the old man spent too much time painting the walls of the house to to put blue tack up. But um, oh, I. I couldn't tell you actually. Um, uh, I don't recall actually having any posters up. Is that um, is that strange? No, it's it's. Bit sad? There's there's been a few people we've interviewed that um, had a pretty strict uh, anti blue tack policy. Um, <laughs> in, in, in your own sort of childhood utopia and shunning all the rules, who do you think you would have had pinned up? Oh God, probably if if. If I could, it would have been like Pamela Anderson or something back then, I guess, <laughs> right. in my school dates. But uh, if it was something inspirational, I don't know, maybe uh, Muhammad Ali. I, I, as a teenager, I was quite interested in um, Quentin Tarantino movies. So Pulp Fiction was, was all the rage back wow. then and, and some I, others. I, so I maybe something along those now. lines. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, yeah. so Peter, can you just uh, explain a little bit on your background and how you found yourself getting into property? Sure. So, um, university, I, I studied finance, um, and um, after uni, I had aspirations of actually becoming a, a financial planner, and, and I was there for for about five minutes. It's um, it wasn't really for me, um, and I actually landed in sales and, and marketing type roles, um, which I did quite well in. Um, uh, I I was fortunate enough to, to be paid a good wage at that time, and you know I was single and had a good disposable income, and and uh, I used it to actually invest in property. So I was fortunate that um, I was able to to acquire my my first investment property in my early twenties, and. Um, I've done a few things, um, made a truckload of mistakes like a lot of people do along the way. Um, but predominantly, I've, I've tried to help hold property where, where I can. I've, I've done some renovations and done some subdivisions and, and things like that as well. And how important do you think it was for you personally getting into property investing at such a, a young age? Has that sort of really amplified or, or exponentially increased your experience and, and your learning from those mistakes early on? Uh, definitely. So, uh, um, a couple of things around that. I, I think I was always probably pretty keen to, to um, uh, uh, get into property, um, and it probably stemmed from a very early age. Uh, I have a very vivid memory of my grandfather actually taking me out on a Friday, and uh, we would go and collect the rent. So, there was no B pay or <laughs> wow. things of that nature back then. And, um, I was about four or five years old, and um, uh, we would go turn up to a place, and you know, knock on the door, and someone would come out and you know, pay us a bit of cash, and then we would go on our merry way, and I'd probably get an ice cream at a play at the park in the afternoon afterwards. So, I thought that was a, a pretty cool job to, <laughs> yeah. to, to to the point that if uh, someone had asked me as a kid what I actually wanted to be when I was older, I would always reply that I wanted to be a landlord. So. I kind of had this burning aspiration that uh, I wanted to fulfill, which probably was a, a motivator of wanting to actually get into the property market at, at an early age. But um, I didn't have uh, any strategy or any real plan. I just wanted to go and buy houses, I, I guess. And um, uh, the first property that um, I purchased was in Brisbane uh, in a suburb called Maricravat. And uh, I purchased a, a four-bedroom weatherboard home there for about a hundred and I think it was one hundred and forty-two or one hundred and forty-three thousand dollars to, wow. to begin with. Um, so that's going back a, a few years now. Um, I held that property maybe for about eighteen months, less than eighteen months, and had done a, a bit of a, a cosmetic renovation and and sold it, and um, you know walked away with a good sum of money and. Um, I, th I thought it was fantastic, but um, uh, I, it didn't actually dwell on me until I went to purchase another property, which coincidentally was again in, in this Malkravat suburb. So a similar property to what I had sold, um, you know, I was paying $260,000 for it 12 months later. So mm. uh, I didn't gain that initial appreciation of, of buy and hold um, instead of chasing uh a quick flip for for a buck because the the debt on the second place was actually more than what it was on my first property. Um, uh, so that was a a good lesson to 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 learn early. 
Yeah, and I guess a, a not so painful one. You did make some money, but then saw you know, the, the yeah. capacity to to make even more by by holding on to something. So That's as right. as the host of the the rent vesting podcast, which for for the record for our listeners is is a far more polished and successful one than this one, so <laughs> so please go and check not that at all, out. Mike. Um, Thank you for the plug. Can we um can we talk about what rent vesting actually is? Sure. Um, so very simply, um, rent where you prefer to live and invest where you can afford. So um, you might like the the lifestyle that. Bondi has to offer. You can afford to rent in Bondi, um, uh, but you can't afford to buy in Bondi. Um, but you can afford to purchase in Southeast Queensland, for example, as as an investment property. Yep. So it's really um, it's really about uh, a lifestyle preference and using uh, the investment strategy to to do the heavy lifting in order to start acquiring a property portfolio. Now, there'd be a lot of places in Australia that would be fantastic to live, but on paper, quite terrible property investments. So that that factors into rent vesting as well? Uh, absolutely. I, I, think, um, I think it's becoming more and more relevant as prices in particular Australian cities um, start to explode. Um, the notion of, um, you know, studying hard and going to uni and getting a good job and settling down and buying a house and living in that property for the next 30 years is a notion of the past. Um, the fundamentals of our society have changed significantly, um, uh, predominantly in the last 10 or, or more years. And the way in which people want to engage with their property is is also changing and, and the style of dwellings is, is also changing and people want more flexibility with, within their lives as well. Um, and second to that, living in your own home as a permanent place of residence is really bloody expensive. No yeah. one... No one, no one has an appreciation that as an asset, it's an asset that doesn't actually produce any income. So you're completely reliant on the capital growth of that property. You uh, tend to overcapitalize because you make a, an emotional investment to, to get into that property, because you know you, you picture the the family and the the nice picket fence and you know all the the the, the crap that you want to fill your house with yeah. the materialistic objects. Um, but that all costs money. Um, you know, you, you can't claim depreciation on your principal place of residence. Um, uh, you, you know, no one factors in the interest that you actually pay on your loan yeah. as an expense to maintain that property. And you're completely reliant on on your business or your, your PAYG income in order to, to make ends meet. So, um, whereas if you flip the coin and, and you live uh, where you want to live and you live um, for, for lifestyle purposes and, and rent in an area and invest in, in other locations, um, you're still acquiring assets and yet they're income producing assets as well, which can go a long way to uh, covering the, the costs of, of holding that, that, that asset base. Yeah, and 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 young young people are, are facing some some pretty big challenges in in saving for a deposit and purchasing a property, especially in some of the areas like like Sydney and Melbourne. T typically, what what is the sort of strategy that young people are employing 
to purchase a property and you know you talk about educating the next generation of investors to rethink that traditional home ownership model which we've touched on but what what are the the ways that that young people can get into a property sooner so uh, since apra has been i, I guess micromanaging the, the lenders um, for a lack of better description yep. um, but obviously there's been uh, a significant change that's happened with the investment lending uh, space which has certainly had an impact on on rent vesters or, or aspiring rent vesters that, that are in the marketplace um, uh, however in saying that a, a large portion of my client base are still looking to actively invest with a 10% deposit Yep. Um, uh, they are still um, having to uh, pay the, the lender's mortgage insurance upfront, uh, as well as the stamps. So, if they're looking for a, a property between three hundred and fifty to to four hundred and fifty thousand, you know, realistically, they they're probably not going to get a lot of change out of eighty odd thousand dollars after your deposit and and all expenses have been outlaid to, to actually acquire that that property. Yep. Um, uh, and they're getting into the market by by that method. Um, uh, now, coming up with eighty odd thousand dollars um, is a hard task in itself, but mm. it's certainly achievable. Um, individuals are doing that by by genuine savings. Some people are actually getting assistance from from family members as well. Some people do receive inheritance and and things of that nature. Um, Look, certainly, if there's a there's a will, there there is a way, um, uh, and the rental income and, and the depreciation and, and other aspects uh, that these individuals are receiving uh, ensures that um, there's little out of pocket expense for the ongoing um, holding costs of of that asset. So, um, so when it comes to to finance obviously the 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 principal difference between rent vesting is if you're buying a property for an investment it's it's income producing right so there's only perhaps a a small deficit between the interest payments and the rent that you're receiving whereas if you're living in that property then obviously you're servicing that whole amount does that mean that banks are more likely to to lend to you for for an investment property than a principal place of residence is that what it's all about uh, uh, I, I couldn't give a simple answer to that, um, uh, primarily because it's going to depend on everyone's situation and sure, yeah. people's situations are, are completely different. At, at the moment, lenders are, are certainly chasing or pricing their, their products more competitively to, to attract owner-occupiers mm-hmm. uh, in order to, to balance their, their loan books, um, but we're seeing uh, we're seeing a lot of chopping and changing in, in pricing from lenders as well, particularly if they do have capacity on, on their books to attract investment lending on. Yep. Um, and I think that's just going to be the nature of the beast until the, the dust actually settles with, within that lending space, which, I don't know, could be a couple more years. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, but I, I think for individuals that are keen to, to leverage that, that investment strategy, um, in, and you're looking at it. You're looking at it from um, an investment lending point of view. Um, it's important to realise that, that the bulk of the lenders uh, are still probably wanting to see for investment lending that you know you've you've got a sizable deposit. So yep. gone are the days of of, of low um, 
low deposits or, or high LVR lens on investment lending. So you've got to at least think 10%. Yep. plus costs to, to get the deal over the over the line and if you're wanting to um, pay interest only um, you know you've probably got to be doing that deal at 80 percent or under there are still lenders in the marketplace that are doing 80 plus percent on the the loan to value ratio on an interest only basis however they're they're becoming few and far between it at the moment so let, let's talk about the the pros and cons of the rent vesting strategy and and i, I I found a, a real-world example the other day. A, a client of mine bought a unit in a development. His friend bought an identical unit in the same development, and they're actually planning to live in the properties for 12 months and then actually swap and then rent to one another. What sort of wizardry is going okay. on here? What's motivating them to do that? Um, I don't know. I could only assume that they've probably picked up um, first homeowner grant incentives. Yep. Um, uh, so um, they're capitalizing on the benefits that they can receive uh, on an upfront basis and uh, and living in that property for um, for, for the minimum requirement. Um, they could possibly be also leveraging um, uh, what, what is it the, the six-year tax rule as yep. well in terms of having a, a temporary uh, absence from from their primary place of residence which which could mean that they're exempt from capital gains tax if they were to sell that property uh, within that six-year period so it's providing a a, a lot of flexibility or, or choices for them they might be um, working in um I don't know, in Brisbane and um, planning on moving to, to Sydney for, for work within that period of, of time as well, at least it um, gives them an option as a, as a way out to, to liquidate that asset if they need to free up cash at, at some point in time in the future. Um, but that's uh, that's a nifty one. Yeah, I've not yeah. Heard of that. It's, uh, so. yeah, it's an interesting thing I've, I've come across. It was the, the first time actually. And I guess what happens after they, they, they swap and they move into each other's places, then suddenly they've got a rental income, which of course they, they need to declare, but suddenly the interest component of their loan is tax deductible. Suddenly they're able to claim the depreciation. So I'm yeah. guessing if you analyze all those numbers, there is there is a positive to that, and that, I guess that speaks to the sort of rent vesting strategy with yeah. the I guess the tweak that they're getting that first homeowner grant is is that is that some is that a question that you get a lot if I'm just buying a property as an investment what about that first homeowner grant or incentive depending on where they're buying yeah that's a good question um, because you have to weigh that up because um, uh, in you know the, the it's a fair chunk of change that you can receive and and um, you know for for some individuals it, it could actually make or, or break the deal for them um, what I would suggest um, is for people to do their due diligence uh, around the first homeowners grant and the stamp duty concessions um, uh, because it's it's some states the rulings in each state is different um, yeah. however there's um, there's gray in between the black and white so uh, some states will will provide the grant on the basis that it is for your first home. So uh, you can technically buy an investment property first and, and still top draw those incentives for a later date when you actually buy your first home. Whereas in some other states, they'll only provide the grant on the basis that you've not owned property elsewhere in the past. Yeah, okay. um, so uh, in some states, they're 
there is still the option to pick up those incentives at a latter date if you've actually uh, chosen a, a rent vesting path to begin with. Yeah, okay, that's some some great advice there, and that 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 figure can be pretty significant too. Like with a, a stamp duty exemption itself, you know, we could yeah, be talking ten thousand dollars. Um, yeah. You know, depending on where they're buying, um, if it's a new property, some of the incentives are you know up around the twenty thousand dollars. So that really yeah. has to be a, an analysis, I'm guessing. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, it comes down to individual circumstances and, and what their plan is. I think it's important to, um, to, to think of it as a strategic approach or, or an emotional approach uh, because it's not going to be suitable for everyone. Um, the, the strategy is getting into the marketplace and, and growing an asset base and the emotional side and, and how do you actually price price that emotion and the value of that is you know is having a place that you can come home to in the evening and and call your own you know that you know everyone wants to to have that aspiration of of living in their their own home so i i completely get that but you know they're, they're the two aspects that that need to be weighed up in the in the decision process and and then it's do the maths um you know is this a, an investment grade property? Is it an investment grade location? What are the numbers? What does my financing look around that? And does this stack up to be a good strategic in, investment for me? So let's get let's go back a couple of steps and and talk about people that are the saving for a deposit. Obviously, there's um there's talk about a housing affordability crisis because we've had markets like Sydney and Melbourne having some great growth after sitting still for a fairly long period. Do you buy into the smashed avocado sort of rhetoric about first homeowners just having unreasonable expectations and not being able to to sort of graft and save like generations before them? Uh, do I buy into it? Yeah. Um, uh, yes and no. Um, uh, it, it's a it's a tough one. Uh, I I like to think that, um, and uh, well, I don't like to think. I, I I know for a fact that you know owning property has always been aspirational for for people, and and it's been difficult for individuals to to get into the market at at all stages, you know, through the last, what, 50, 60 or, or more years or what have you within within the nation here. So uh, I think it's just different circumstances at, at, at different times. Um, uh, and, you know, where there's a, a will, there's going to be a, a way. Um, uh, I, I do firmly believe, though, that, that if you want to get into property, that at some point in time, you, you probably realistically need to, to make some sacrifices a, around that. Um, uh, but the whole smashed avocado thing is is probably um, has been blown out of proportion <laughs> now, I, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, sorry, Mike, I'm probably not answering your question here very well. No, that's but, all right. Um, I, I guess it's, um, you know, it was a bit of an attention-grabbing headline, I think. Um, from what I've heard, Torn Basil is the next one that we'll be talking about. Don't, I don't think it has oh, yeah. The, I've not have, heard that one. Yeah, it doesn't have the same ring to it. But yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, your 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 focus um, is, is certainly in helping younger people to, to make that first step. Let, let's let's say we're, we're we're on board the the rent vesting train. Where are we buying? What what sort of property should we look at? What recommendations do you make to people that are buying their first property as an investment? Uh, 
Uh, firstly, one, do your due diligence. Um, and second to, to that, I, I guess it's ultimately going to depend on the individual's personal strategy and plan that they're looking to, to put into place. Um, weigh up the, the pros and cons of whether it's better for them to, to leverage the initial incentives or, or grants that are going to be available to them or whether or not it's um, it's it's worth buying a, an established property in, in a solid location. So the fundamentals around asset selection in terms of being in a good location and, and having good prospects for, for growth and you know being in good employment nodes with transport and, and things of that nature um, uh, certainly is, is going to be uh, an important qualifier for them. So do you do diligence and, and you know, pay to, to work with someone that, that is an expert in, in that area, whether they you know, choose to, to work with a mentor or, or a buyer's advocate or, or something of, of that nature? Um, and look at it again from the numbers point of view to, to weigh it up if it's actually worth buying a, a new property and you know, leveraging someone with your expertise, Mike, that can help them out with the depreciation perspective and, and factoring that into the calculation as, as well. Um, I think it's important to make the decision uh, to qualify whether or not that first investment actually needs to be for, for cash flow or, or for growth. Um, and that'll probably depend on the individual's personal circumstances at, at this point in time. So if their income is, is moderate, um, maybe it's best to, to look for that initial property to, to provide some uh, cash flow positive income uh, for subsequent purchases in, in the future as well. So, sorry, Peter. Let you finish. I was just going to say. I guess it just depends. <laughs> yeah, right. So, with, with people that are buying their first property as an investment, do you, do you think they tend to be a little bit more emotional than someone that maybe owns their property and is looking at their second or, or third investment property? Um, emotional, maybe. I, I think it's just. Um, getting their, their head around that, that it's actually the, the right thing for, for them at this point in time and um, and probably a little bit more of um, a little bit more hand holding just through that process to, you know, navigate through the, the different aspects of, of what's going to be required because, you know, there there is a little bit more complexity uh, associated to it um, because you're you're looking at uh, a different set of fundamentals uh, in the actual decision-making process um, as opposed to going out and buying something that you like because it's close to work and it's what you can afford and you know you think that you're going to live comfortably there yeah the decision around it is um, you know it is this going to stack up for me financially and uh, and can I make the numbers work and is it a good investment grade property that's going to allow me to you know buy another one yeah. Uh, within the next 12, 18, 24 months or, or whatever that may, that may be. And how big of a, a believer are you in looking at the next property and, and property as a way of, of wealth creation? Obviously, it's one thing for, for someone to buy their, their first property, but how, how important is property in general for reaching those retirement goals? I think it's a fundamental asset class. Um, uh, a lot of people will, will, that I've worked with in the past have aspirations of acquiring ten properties in in ten years, um, which is awesome. But you know, the, the, my first question is is why? Why do you need to have ten for? Why do yeah. you need to buy it in, in the next ten years? Why can't you just buy four um, yeah. blue chip 
properties with, within 10 years and, and achieve maybe even a better outcome rather than um, having potentially several duds sitting in your portfolio that, that are not going to be performing well. Um, so I think it's, it's the, the more I've come to realize, uh, the, the more uh, importance I place on, on having that, that upfront plan and, and working to, towards outcomes that, that are going to uh, achieve that, that desired end result whatever that may be for, for the individual. But um, I certainly feel that, that property as an asset class is, is fundamental to individuals' ability to, to build wealth and, and retire comfortably on. Um, but, you know, you should probably have some shares in there and, and some other investments. And um, I don't know, you should probably try and start a business as well. And I think that's uh, another key area of, of rent vesting is that um, – you know, it's it's renting and investing, so that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be mutually exclusive to, to property. Um, you know, you could be investing in yourself. You could be investing in the share market to, to grow a, a portfolio of shares to help expedite the process of getting that initial deposit together. And, you know, maybe now is better time than ever to, to bootstrap a business and you know and and get your your entrepreneurial skills out there into the marketplace and start growing wealth by, by that method so I think there's a, a number of different ways to, to, to approach it in order to, to get to you know that desired outcome that that you want to have yeah some some awesome tips there Peter much appreciated just speaking of yourself you offer a pretty complete service from mentoring and planning and management and lending of course can can you describe the the sort of typical process on with bringing a new client on board Sure. So one is to, to get a solid understanding of, of what their current circumstances are and, and where they want to be. Uh, and from that, we'll, we'll go through a pretty detailed borrowing analysis to give them an understanding of, of what their borrowing capacity would be at this point in time. And then we can start tweaking and, and manipulating some, some numbers there to get a better indication of how their current set of circumstances could fit into the, the short-term goal. And, and what needs to happen thereafter to, to start unraveling the, the plans. Um, I don't sell property myself. I, I'm not a licensed real estate agent, um, but certainly know enough people in the marketplace to, to make some good recommendations for, for people to, to connect with. Um, uh, and that's a, the process that will unfold from, from there. So uh, whilst property selection is you know extremely important, um, it's also extremely important now more than ever to, to get the actual financing yep. right from from the get-go and having that that foundation in place will allow you to continue to, to leverage into the future as opposed to um, ha having a, a short-term focus and and uh, rate chasing um, uh, because that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to produce the, the best investment outcome for you in, in the long term. And that strategy, I guess, is really important, especially in the in the current lending environment we're in at the moment. Um, Peter, how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about uh, what it is you do and, of course, the podcast as well? Sure. So um, 
jump on to, to rentvesting.com.au. Um, there's a stack of information and, and a lot of free resources there to, to get more of an understanding of, of the actual rentvesting strategy and, and the podcast is, is on there as well so, so you can choose through that and uh, if you want to speak investment lending uh, feel free to, to drop me a line at peter at, at loansonly.com.au and um, more than happy to, to have a conversation. Awesome. Thanks very much, Peter. And I know that uh, you've got to duck off to another uh, appointment, but if I can just get you to, to suggest if there's one piece of advice you'd give to property investors, what would that be? One piece of advice. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, well, look, I, I, I'm, um, I have to say it's do you due diligence on, on the finance. Uh, I, particularly now, a lot of people are, are getting caught out with what they, um, with what they feel they, they can borrow and what they can actually afford. So there's one thing of being able to, to service a loan, and there's another thing of actually being able to to afford a loan. So uh, a lot of people um, have continued to, to leverage themselves into positions where uh, they've probably gone past their their limit. Um, uh, and I, I think it's important just to, to realize what, what that ceiling is because the last thing that you want to be doing is investing yourself into a corner and, and maybe trapping yourself into a job that, that you don't like because you know, you've, you've, you've leveraged too far. So um, get that plan into, into place and, and, and have a rock-solid understanding of, of what your financials are and, and the cash flow behind that situation um, because it's, it's pivotally important for, for your overall success. That's awesome advice. Thanks very much, Peter, for joining us. Very much appreciate it. Mike, thank you very much for the invitation. It's been great to come on. Thank you. Cheers.